Well, our last study in the book of Daniel. And, uh, you know, as we have been going through Daniel, God wants us to know through this prophet that God knows the beginning from the end. And he wants us to know that. And uh, before we look at Daniel chapter 12 this morning, I want us to look at Romans chapter 11 first. Because we've been um, looking at uh, this last prophecy of, of Daniel, and it pertains, uh, particularly the last part of chapter 11, to uh, the great tribulation that has not come yet, that that is still anticipated and, uh, and this tribulation is directed towards God's people, Daniel's people, the Jews. And, in, you know, as we've looked at this, or we're going to look at this in verse 1 this morning, uh, Daniel says this is going to be a time of trouble like mankind has never seen before. In the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah says in chapter 3, 30, that it's going to be Jacob's trouble. I mean, this is specifically centered on the nation of Israel. Why all this calamity? And it's because God wants to bring Israel back to himself. They are his people. He has made a covenant with Abraham. And yes, Israel has been an obstinate. They've been a stiff neck. They've been a stubborn people. And yet God is ever so patient. And God is used, going to use that great tribulation, Jacob's trouble, to get their attention once and for all and bring their hearts back to himself. And so as we're looking at this tribulation, Romans chapter 11, Paul says this. He says, I ask then, has God rejected his people? Speaking of Israel. Paul says, by no means. For I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin, God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. And at, at this point, it, as Paul is, is writing in Romans chapter 11, the Jews are far from him. And it's because they have rejected the gospel. They didn't believe the person of Jesus Christ. They didn't believe that salvation comes by grace alone and not by works. And so they rejected God's Son, but the Bible says that this was God's plan all along. Look at Romans chapter 11, verse 8. It is written, speaking of Israel, when Jesus came on the scene, it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear down to this very day. God's hardened Israel's heart. 
And that's for their bad, but guess what, church? That's for our good. And we are in this period of time where God is focusing on the truth or on the church and He's bringing the Gentiles to Himself. Gentiles are coming alive to the gospel. And it has been ever since the resurrection until today. God is working among the Gentiles as Israel continues to be in denial of who Jesus is. Look at verse 11. Uh, the last part of verse 11 in Romans chapter 11. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so to, as to make Israel jealous. Look at verse 25. First part of verse 25. Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers, a partial, partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so we're still waiting for the fullness of the Gentiles in this church age. And when that age has come about, when the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, then will come the tribulation. And it is through the tribulation that God is going to get the attention of his nation Israel. And Jesus affirms this. In um, Matthew chapter 24, verse 21, it says, There will be a great tribulation such as has not been from the beginning of the world, but it's going to be cut short for the sake of the elect, for the sake of God's people. And it's going to have that, that last half of the tribulation. The tribulation is going to last for seven years. And the last half of the tribulation, all hell is going to break loose, church. And we've been looking at that in Daniel chapter 11. But God says it's not going to last forever. It's going to last for about three and a half years. And then at the end of that time, the eyes of Israel are going to be open. And we'll look at that more in just a moment. But God wants us to know through the book of Daniel that there is going to be suffering. And it's not just for Israel, but it's for all of us. We're not immune to suffering. But in that suffering, he wants to be us to be people of great hope. And so with that in mind, I want us to look at Daniel chapter 12 as we uh, conclude this this series this morning. And I want to read verses 1 through 4. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble. Again, that's referring to the great tribulation, such as never has been seen since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. You need to underline that right right there. Your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame 
in everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn away to, to right, turn, and those who turn many to righteousness, like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. First, the first thing I want us to see in this, uh, these first four verses is the fact that God will be our great deliverer. God's going to be the children of Israel's great deliverer. And guess what, church? He's going to be our great deliverer as well. And he wants us to know this beyond a shadow of a doubt. Even though people are going to suffer. I mean, this is not, this tribulation is not going to be easy. And in fact, some of God's faithful, some of God's elect are going to die in this tribulation. But whether it's life or it's death, God is going to deliver all of them whose names are written in the book of life. Do you know for certain that your name is written in the book? Because when it comes to the end of time, my friend, the hope is only for those whose names are written in the book, who believe the truth, who believe what God has said. And so God is going to be our great deliverer. And that's been the message of Daniel uh, throughout these uh, several weeks that we've been walking through this great book. God, has, God, even though they've been in exile, they've been in Babylon for over 70 years now, God has been watching over them. God has been protecting his elect. Uh, God was with the, the Hebrew boys in, in Daniel in chapter 1, and, and God showed favor on them as they trusted God for their dietary um, uh, obeying the, the law when it came to their diet. And God honored that. And God blessed them. God was with the boys in the fire, uh, in, the, in the furnace. And Jesus, the four, there was a fourth man in that furnace. And that, that fourth man was Jesus. Again, God is just reminding his, his children, and he's reminding us today, that God is a great deliverer. God was with Daniel in the lion's den. And shut the lion's mouth. God was with Daniel in interpreting a king's dreams. And some of these things, kings, they realized that the God of Daniel was for real. And Nebuchadnezzar, we looked at his testimony. It wasn't just a testimony to those uh, at that time, but it was a testimony to the world that the God of Daniel truly is a reality. And so God is this deliverer, and we've seen this through the book of Daniel. And as we're concluding this book, Daniel, uh, God is telling to Daniel, there is going to be difficulty ahead, Daniel, both in the short term and the long term at the end of time, 
But understand, Daniel, this is all a part of God's plan. As bad as it looks, it's all part of God's plan. Jeremiah, a contemporary of Daniel, a prophet of Judah, said this as well in Jeremiah chapter 30, verses 7 through 10. How awful that day will be. Speaking of the great tribulation, no other will be like it. It will be a time of trouble for Jacob. He will be saved out of it. So don't be afraid, Jacob, my servant. Do not be dismayed, Israel, declares the Lord. I will surely save you out of a distant place. Your descendants from the land of their exile. Jacob will again have peace and security and no one will take no one will make him afraid and so deliverance is going to come not just for those who are alive but also for those who die in that great tribulation to go back to uh, Daniel chapter 11, verse uh, 33, it got really tough for pe- some people who stood up against Antio- Antiochus when they reclaimed the temple and restored the worship. People lost their lives. And the same thing is going to happen in the Great Tribulation. But whether it's life or death, the Bible says they're going to be delivered. There's not a person on the planet of the earth when God resurrects them from the grave that's going to say, gosh, that wasn't worth it. All all that heartache I went through, it wasn't worth it. Not a one is going to say that. They're going to know it was all worth it. Now we see in uh, verse 2 of this, this passage talks about the resurrection. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Okay? Now, that's not talking about soul sleep here. You know, the Bible says that as as believers in, in Christ, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So what what Daniel is referring to here, maybe he doesn't necessarily understand that because it's still the, the revelation has is not a total revelation. Daniel doesn't know, is aware of all of God's revelation. And so he he says, asleep here, or shall awake. But that is referring to um, the end of time. Okay. Now, as you look at this passage, you get the sense, and and Daniel gets the sense, thinks that this resurrection of uh, the dead, both those who are righteous and those who are unrighteous. It's a simultaneous resurrection. But if you go to the book of Revelation, we we see that uh, this resurrection is um, the resurrection of the righteous occurs a thousand years before the resurrection of the unrighteous. The unrighteous are going to be resurrected at the end of the millennial kingdom. The righteous are going to be, ri- ri- be risen 
at the beginning of the millennial kingdom. Look at Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 through 6. I would encourage you to take this reference, Revelation 20, 4 through 6, and write it at, in the margin of your Bible. It will be helpful as you uh, revisit this chapter. John says this, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. Okay, these are the martyrs who die during that great tribulation. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and not and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They had been faithful to the Lord. And they came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them. But they will be priests of God and Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. I need to go to my Bible because I thought I was cutting something out, but I didn't understand at the time. Revelation chapter 20. I'm going to just read this again. And then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image, and not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. Okay, so that's the difference between Revelation chapter 20 and Daniel chapter 12. As Daniel is sharing this vision, you know, he's just got a partial revelation. And as God continues to work throughout history and continues to reveal his word, uh, through his followers, we get more revelation and understand more. So this is not a simultaneous resurrection in Daniel chapter 2. Okay, There's a thousand years difference between the righteous and the unrighteous. But just understand, those who are righteous, those who believe the truth... Regardless of how bad it gets, and they may very well lose their very life, and no matter how bad it gets for us, church, and we may very well lose our life, God promises to deliver His people, whether in life or death. We're going to win. And if you want hope in suffering, you've got to believe this truth. You've got to know this truth. And so Daniel is told in verse 4, Daniel, seal up the, the words of this book. Okay? 
until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Daniel doesn't get it. And God's telling Dan, Daniel, just put this away for right now. But there's going to be a time in the future. There's going to be a time in Israel's future when, you know, this war is taking place in the Greek Empire between the north and the south, and Israel's being treated like a ping-pong ball. The priests of that, those times, this is around 170 A.D., they can go back to the book of Daniel. And they can see Daniel's words, God's words, and that can give them hope to persevere through a very difficult time. And that those words that Daniel has written has had, had sealed for a period of time, they're words for us today. And that gives us wisdom on how we are to live our lives today. And if we don't know this truth... We don't know how the end is really going to work out. We're going to be running around like our heads are cut off. Absolutely confused in bewilderment, thinking what in the world is going on. And God wants us to know that all that's taking place is part of His plan. And if your name is written in the book, you don't have to worry about it. You are going to be delivered. So that's the first thing he wants us to know as we go through suffering. Is my name written in the book? God wants to deliver. The second thing that God wants us to see in this chapter, verses 5 through 7, let me read. This passage. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, How long shall it, shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, he raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time, and and that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. God wants us to know, God wanted Daniel to know, in this portion of Scripture, is, Daniel, I'm going to keep my promise. Our God, church, Daniel's God, is a great covenant keeper. And whatever he says he's going to do, you better believe he's going to do it. So in verses 5 and 6, there's this interest, kind of an interesting thing, or confusing. There's this river. And there's uh, two men standing by the river bank, one on one side and one on the other. It's most likely angels. And one of the angels 
asked the man who is hovering above the river, how long will this last? Now, this, this man is clothed in fine linen. Now, if you go back to Daniel chapter 10, verse 5, we see that uh, this, this person, uh, he, his face shone brightly. And uh, as we looked at that passage of Scripture, we, came, we realized that it, that is the person, Jesus Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ, whom the angel asks here in, in chapter 12, how long or when is this going to happen or how long is it going to take place? And look what that person hovering above the water, the pre-incarnate Christ that I believe is here in this passage of Scripture, he raises his right hand. What happens when a person raises their right hand in a courtroom? You know, they're committing that what they're about to say is the truth and nothing but the truth, okay? And so here is this man dressed in linen above the river. He raises his right hand. He raises his left hand. And he says, what is about to take place is going to happen for a time, times, and half a times. Okay? We're talking about seven years. And what is going to unfold is the absolute truth. So help me, me. So help me, swore by him who lives forever. Jesus is making a promise that what he says is going to transpire is going to transpire. And how long is it going to last? Until the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end. A shattering of of the people of God, the nation of Israel. And all these things will be finished. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. You can write that in the margins of your Bible. Let me just read this verse. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication, they will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn. This is, this is before Christ was even crucified. This is 400 years or more before Jesus had come on the scene. And Zechariah is saying, you know what? Israel, you are going to purse, pierce him. He's going to be crucified. And it's you who are going to do it. And they will mourn for him as one who mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. God will have gotten their attention 
at this point. They will see their sin. They will, they will be grieving over their sin. They will be consumed with grief, longing for the Son, crying out in repentance. And then He will come, church. Jesus will break forth in the sky. And all Israel will say at that moment, Matthew chapter 23, verse 39, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. No longer are they rejecting him. At the end of the tribulation, they will be longing for him. They will be repenting of their sin. And God will forgive. And God will redeem. And God will deliver. And they will be able to enter with him into Christ's millennial kingdom for a thousand years and reign with him. And enjoy the promises that God made, the covenant promises that God made to Abraham. He is a covenant keeper. Don't ever think that when you become a Christian, it's never God's plan in your life for you to suffer. That is not what the Bible says. There is going to be suffering. There is going to be tribulation. We live in a fallen world. And there are things that God allows to come into our life, church, because He has a plan. And He wants you and I to know that He is our great deliverer. And he promises to be with you and I. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And I know you question that when all hell is breaking loose in your life. But I want you to know, and he wants us to know, that he's there. He's working. So, first two things, whether it's death or life, I'm going to deliver you. You're going to win. Secondly, I promise. So help me me. I don't go back on my promises. And the third thing, verses 8 through 13 as we conclude this book. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, Oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. 
Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly, and none of the wicked wicked shall understand. But those who are wise shall understand. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. But go your way till the end. And you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. Now, I'm not going to go into the details of those numbers and try to speculate, but 1,290 days is about three and a half years. And this, this tribulation, and especially those last three and a half years, it's going to be bad. You know, there's going to be the abomination of desolation. They're going to, to violate the temple, take away the worship of God, people of, of Israel. It's going to be bad. And Daniel's hearing all this. He's been told all this. And in verse 8, he says, I don't understand. What's, what's happening here? God, these are your people. This is the nation of Israel. The 70 years are over. We're going back to the land of beautiful. And you're telling me all of these awful things that are going to happen both soon and at the end of time. I I don't get it. How can you, how can a God of love allow his people to suffer like this? And again, God's conveying to Daniel and he's conveying to us that he is a sovereign God. He oversees it all. He's got a book of all of time, of all of history that is going to be played out according to Daniel chapter 10, verse 21, and Daniel chapter 11, verse 2. The book of truth. God sees it all. And I love this verse. Isaiah chapter 46, verse 10. I make known the end from the beginning. From the ancient times, what is still still to come. I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Church, God's the potter. We are the clay. The clay doesn't have a say. The clay just has to trust the potter. And sometimes that clay has to go through a whole lot of abuse become something useful that gives glory to the potter. And I know you're on the potter's wheel right now. And you're having a hard time 
whether it be physically, spiritually, emotionally, God is sovereign. God knows what he's doing. Romans chapter 11, verse 33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. Daniel, God, what is going to be the outcome of your people? Verse 8. God's already told him. He said in verse 1, Those whose names shall be found written in the book will be rescued. So help me, me. Daniel. He loves them. He loves you. And yes, God is going to discipline his wayward children just as he's been disciplining Israel for these 70 years in the book of Daniel. To bring us, to bring them back to himself. Church, we live in a fallen world and stuff happens in our life like earthquakes. Did you know the instructions for an earthquake before the earthquake happened? I was kind of aware of the instructions, but you know what? I didn't follow the instructions. (laughs) But what are the instructions? What were we reminded of? To drop, cover, and hold on. When stuff happens, church, the Word of God has given us instructions. Know the truth. Be faithful to the truth. Let this truth, verse 10, purify purify you. Let make you white. Let it refine you. Make being more valuable. Being more trustworthy. Being more like Jesus as you go through the fire. Because He wants to refine you. He wants to make us. He wants to make Israel like his son, Jesus Christ. So he's in control. He's watching over me. And the people who know this make themselves very obvious. The shine. And we all know people like that, don't we? We know believers in our church in our personal life, who've gone through a lot of fiery trials, and their countenance 
shines like Jesus. Oh yeah, my life life is difficult. But they know who's in control. Am I right, Sybil? Our God reigns. And Sybil's been through a lot of fires. Amen. And Amen. Amen. Give God glory. I'm sorry for those of you who are on Facebook or out in the dining hall, you didn't get to hear that, so it would be a good idea to be in here next week, okay? Uh, But that's going to be the testimony of all whom God raises at the end. It was all worth it. All worth it. And so, trying to finish this up, you know, he wants to make you wise, church, Christian. Yeah, we're going to go through tough times, but those who don't know the truth, they're going to be racing to and fro, wondering what in the world is going on. But those who know are going to be made wise. And so, verses uh, 11 through 13, again, refer to the last three and a half years of that great tribulation. I don't know if we're going to be there or not, but we need to prepare ourselves. And that means, church, we can't afford to play games with God. We can't have one foot in the world and one foot in Jesus. That doesn't turn out very well. And let me give you a picture of what that looks like. I didn't tell you this a few um, couple months ago when I took Pastor Chuffa fishing. Pastor Chuffa from Cameroon. Well, we had an episode on my boat. Uh, we were at Lake Silver. We weren't catching any fish. And so we decided that we were going to pick up and uh, try out June Lake. Well, while we, as we were getting to the dock... Pastor Chaffa got up, he put one foot on the dock, and he had one foot in the boat. Now, this was the first fishing trip of the season for me, okay? And so, typically the first fishing trip of the season, I'm not real, it takes me a little while to get used to the motor, and what's forward and what's backwards. And while he had one foot on dock and one foot on the, in the boat, instead of putting the motor in neutral, I put it in reverse. And he slowly, the boat slowly moved its way away from the dock, and he was starting to panic, and I was starting to panic. And you, you just visualize this. He was doing Stretch Armstrong here, right? And I turned my head because I was afraid of what was about to happen as I continued to go in reverse. And he took a leap of faith. And I looked back around, and there he was. He was holding on to this rail that was on the, uh, at the dock. He was holding on to that 
for dear life as his bottom was in the water. And he struggled to get back up on the dock. And uh, I learned this later. He told me, you know, Pastor Bill, I don't know how to swim. <laughs> and I didn't know that. And had he fallen into the water, you know what? It would have been some really bad news. Another thing that happened while he was leaping to get out onto the dock, I did see two sticks to my right kind of go up in the air. Well, after we were trying to put the boat back on the trailer uh, in the truck, um, I was looking for my other two fishing poles. I had four fishing poles in the boat. Those two sticks were two of my fishing poles. And so I couldn't see them at the bottom of the lake, but I I was thinking it wasn't very deep because we're right at the dock, okay? So I'm getting my uh, fishnet. I'm expanding it. I'm trying to feel the bottom of the lake. I'm down on my stomach trying to feel the bottom of the lake. I can't feel the bottom. That's how deep that water was. And, uh, boy, if he had fallen into water, that water was icy cold. It would have been bad news. But church, that's what's going to happen at the end of time if you're playing games with God. He doesn't want you to play games. He wants you to know the Word. And if you know the Word, you know what? You're not going to be running around with your head cut off. You're going to see what's happening, and you are going to be trusting Him, and He's going to make you wise. And you're going to be like Sybil Turner, giving testimony of who God is in your life. God's going to deliver us. God's going to keep His promises. And God wants us to know that He's got this. And so Daniel, go your way. Shut up this book. Live at rest. Be faithful. Know that at the end of time, you're going to rise. You're going to see the angel of days face to face. You're going to receive your reward for all eternity. Because his name was written in the book because God put it there. It wasn't because of Daniel's good works. It was because of the grace of God in his life. So my question to you as we pray, do you know for certain that your name is in the book? Let's pray. You're our only hope, Jesus. May we know that you will deliver your own.
you keep the promises. That you're sovereign in every single detail. People don't, who don't know you, God, they're confused. And I admit I get confused a lot of times. That's only because I'm not in the book. I'm not, not allowing the word to feed my inner man, my faith. God, help us to be people of your word. It's the God that you can use us to glorify you.